On with a Rye. This week's episode of On One is brought to you by Bobble Bar. Bobble Bar designs premium fashion jewelry and accessories that make it easy to experiment with your style. They translate your favorite trends into a wide range of accessories because fashion, it should be fun. Best of all, Bobble Bar believes in 110% customer happiness and makes it easy to speak to a real person whenever you need to. They offer free shipping and returns in the U.S. so you can try them out guilt-free. Go to BobbleBar.com and get 20% off today using promo code ONONE. I'm going to spell that out because I know everybody couldn't be a spelling bee champ like me. (laughs) That's B-A-U-B-L-E-B-A-R.com. And 20% off if you use promo code ONONE. Today's episode of On One is brought to you by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. You need to get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a happier life today. This is tested and tried by yours truly. And because they're great supporters of the show, for a special offer just for the dedicated On One listener, please visit Talkspace.com backslash Angela. Athletes have a lot to say, and they're going to say it. So my challenge to the sports crowd is, what do you want me to do? I'm a journalist, so should I pretend that Colin Kaepernick didn't kneel? Should I act as if Greg Popovich does not openly discuss his hatred of the president? Should I just act as if LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, and Dwayne Wade didn't take the stage at the ESPYs to not only show a sign of unity, but make their own statement about where they felt we were as a country. Should I act like they're not saying these things? Because these are marginal athletes saying these things. We're some of the biggest names in sports. And that's a sports story. And this idea that sports has always been devoid of politics is a lie. The same person that will tell me to stick to sports will also say Muhammad Ali was a was a great sport figure. What's the difference? The difference is now you know Muhammad Ali is right. So when we're talking about Colin Kaepernick, because you don't believe in the issue or um, you don't have as much investment in it, it's easy to rail against him now. But ask yourself, wh- what are you going to be saying 20 years from now when you look back on what you said now? Because now is the courageous moment to have an opinion about it that the people who want us to quote unquote stick to sports even though we are um they they more often than not they want us to stick to not talking about things that they disagree with strangely enough in 2017 people can't agree when something is racist you're listening to on one with angela rye and that was jamel hill with the root after she was first reprimanded for stating the obvious truth that donald trump is a white supremacist She has since been suspended by ESPN for responding to someone on Twitter about options they had if they were to boycott. Here are Jamel's tweets. Let me read them for you in case you missed it. If fans really are that upset about what JJ and Steven Ross have done, don't call the players sellouts, but you're watching every Sunday. JJ, in case you missed it, is the owner of uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And then her second tweet where she clarifies what she's saying Just so we're clear, I'm not advocating an NFL boycott, but an unfair burden has been put on players in Dallas and Miami with anthem directives. Very clear, not calling for a boycott. Nevertheless, she was suspended by ESPN because now they have to clearly demonstrate how Jamel was at all in violation of their social media policy 
But while they do that, we continue to stand with our sister in truth, where we live, die, and have our being. We're all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors, all we know is to fight. Pray, they see God and everything I write here. This week's political lowlife is no surprise at all. Meanwhile, your president is out here trying to break records and not allow anyone else an opportunity to be the political lowlife. So, dun da da da, it's orangey again. So, this dude tweets about Jamel by name. Here's his tweet With Jamel Hill at the mic, M I K E, in case y'all missed it, not M I C, M I K E, it is no wonder ESPN ratings have tanked. In fact, tanked so badly, it is the talk of the industry. Breaking ESPN ratings have not tanked. So let's talk about that one or we can talk about this one. He's posted a tweet attacking the media. Here's that tweet. Network news has become so partisan, distorted and fake that licenses must be challenged and if appropriate, revoked. Um, okay. He says it's not fair to the public. Well, I don't really know what he's talking about and licenses don't get revoked that way. Perhaps someone should give him a crash course about how the FCC works. Oh, that's not enough. Well, then what about the fact that he signed an executive order to take the first step in dismantling Obamacare? At first blush, this executive order sounds good. He's creating a system that allows people to buy interstate plans, which is buying health care insurance across state lines to make it more affordable, make it more competitive across industries and and perhaps even help insurance companies make more money by being able to sell to more people. Oh, but wait a minute. These plans don't have to cover pre-existing conditions. Oh, but wait another minute. And the subsidies that existed to help poor people purchase health care? Yeah, that's gone. Oh, and also last week, the Trump administration decided that your employer's health insurance doesn't have to cover birth control, ladies. So basically, signing up for this coverage is essentially akin to signing up for car insurance that doesn't cover collisions. Um, In real short form, it's hazardous to your health. It's not health care. It's, I don't even know what to call it. It's not health care. I'm a child in the struggle, new leader of the revolution. All my people is reform, pimps and prostitution. In the suburbs, I got them kids wilding. And shit, I turn the inmates against the asylum. Put me in the hood, so I started an army. Put me on the charts, I get the world behind me. Light skins and dark skins, I love every shade. Black is beautiful, baby. Black is this moment in blackness goes to my brother friend in the struggle, my son. I am totally biting this from my brother Charlemagne, but I just think we have to give honor where honor is due. We have to give credit where credit is due. And I just want y'all to hear my son rapping in the cipher at BT's Hip Hop Awards. It is so dope. Here it is. Welcome to reality. I am a fake rapper's rivalry, the leader of the cavalry. Young Huey P with big Meech mentality, the rap Kaepernick with Tupac's anatomy. I got him mad at me, cause I free the kids from the trap and put morals over salary. But they would rather me lie the way they lied to me. Have him in these streets, dying, becoming casualties. But nah, I'm a whole different breed. 
Everybody following. I was sent to lead. I'm a soldier when I bleed. I just licked the wound. No, you not a G. You got it misconstrued. You all on IG. Lying to get views. Got these little kids dying. Trying to listen to you. Or they sitting in prison instead of sitting in schools. Cause you told them play the game. Didn't give them the rules. Won't you tell them it's fixed. They playing just to lose. So all my young kings don't ever listen to fools. Nah, I'm not hating. Just a little confused. How you show them all the diamonds. Never give them no jewels. Now, if you tired of the buffoonery, follow me. I'll show you how to shine without jewelry. Show you how to grind and buy back the community. Bring back on black crime, back to black unity. If you a G, I know you see you and me. Gangster but woke, ain't nothing they can do with me. One man army, imagine if it was two of me. I swear next year, Oprah gonna try to cougar me. <laughs> Cause I did it on my own. I put in work, now I'm sitting on his throne. Crown me the same way that you do any king. I'd rather kneel for something than just stand for anything. anything. My son got bars. <laughs> Man. So my favorite, my favorite bars are how you show him all the diamonds, never give him no jewels. And then he also says, I'd rather kneel for something than just stand for anything. Kneeling down, putting his fist up, standing in solidarity with everything that we have going on right now. We know that Jamel's suspension from ESPN is an outgrowth of her talking about what's happening um, with these teams every single week. Um, most of us are not watching that because we are boycotting. I'm believing in the people that that's actually happening. But the fact that he paid um, homage to that is just key. And I think it's a, a big deal and amazing. And I think it was by far the best. Um, Eminem, while I appreciate you being a good ally, I just have to say my son's bars are winning. <laughs> Okay, everybody, this is the Conversate segment uh, with On One with Angela Rye. Today we have Reverend Al Sharpton. We are at Columbia University where we are reflecting on 50 years of activism. That is how long Reverend Al has been in the movement. I won't tell you his age, but maybe he'll share. He is an October birthday baby, so make sure you're tweeting him belated birthday wishes. Reverend Al, you want to tell him how old you are? I am 63. The youngest 63 last, I've ever seen. Last uh, <laughs> last Tuesday, October 3rd, and I was appointed youth director of Operation Breadbasket uh, by Reverend Jesse Jackson and Bill Jones when I was 13. So I, it's not that I have been, well, when I say 50 years, mm -hmm. I have since... 50 years ago, held a title and position and been active in the movement. 13 years old, and I was not active in the movement at 13, at least not by by choice, by force, because you met my dad before. Right, I have. Um, but I really want to start there. Um, you just talked about Operation Breadbasket, and we are in a unique time, um, Rev, where we're seeing... Um, the need for boycotts, the need for demonstrating our economic power. Um, and I think that there's a lot that we can learn from the work that you all were doing with Operation Breadbasket. So if you could point out a few things that people can take away with them from some of the economic boycotts of industries um, through Operation Breadbasket and harnessing our collective power. What were some uh, of the Well, Operation Breadbasket was the economic arm mm -hmm. of SCLC that Martin Luther King had started. And their idea was that people that did business in our community, major uh, supermarket chains, like we boycotted AMP, for example, they had to put a certain amount of money in black banks. They had to use uh, black service contractors like lawyers, accountants, as well as jobs and contracts. And if they did not, 
then we would go into all of our communities using the churches because it was basically ministers to tell people just don't buy at AMP. Mm-hmm. And uh, first time I was arrested, it was I was uh, uh, thirteen going on fourteen with uh, Reverend Jackson them at uh, AMP headquarters on Lexington Avenue. That is where we upgrade all the way into National Action Network. People forget when I came out, and I know we'll get to it for Jamil Hill mm-hmm. talking about ESPN. Well, we have done this. Yes. We went at advertisers and I misses off the air. Mm-hmm. This we did. Rush Lombard tried to get an NFL team. We went after that and won. Uh, Sterling with the Clippers. Yeah. So there are people that talk and then there are people that talk that have a track record. So what I'm saying to ESPN, what I'm saying, I'm saying that with them knowing, wait a minute, they knew how to do advertisers and this was not in the 60s, this was right now. Right. And so to that point, you just brought up Jamel Hill, and we know that um, her issues really coming out of this NFL boycott. Right. And so I want to just go there for a second. You all t- were talking about a sustained economic boycott of multiple industries through right. Operation Breadbasket. And black folks right now are just whining about not being able to wear NFL merchandise, not watching NFL games and not going to the games. Can we, you please tell us that's we, like we, work? We <laughs> have uh, in many ways uh, been such a disappointment where we act like it is inconveniencing us to not watch a game. I mean, really? We are talking about the... NFL commissioner says that he doesn't want the uh, players to uh, kneel. And players are saying, are trying to decide whether they're going to kneel or not because they don't know about a bench, but they want to call themselves the Muhammad Ali of a new generation. Muhammad Ali was brought to federal court, arrested and convicted, faced jail, had to fight all the way up to the Supreme Court. So you're when you want to wear crowns, your head is not big enough to hold. Ooh, man. OK. And to, the, to this point, though, one person whose head is big enough. Sorry, Michael, I'm not calling you a big head. But Michael, who is Jamel's co-host, is refusing to do the show while she's suspended. Big brother. And that's what I'm saying. That's the test. So so when when I hear people, uh, it's funny. I just did an interview here today at a symposium with Associated Press. And the the, uh, the interviewer said, well, it's clear what you've done with your marketing history, but who's going to be uh, the guy to re- or the lady to replace you, who's going to be the next head of Nash Action Network, the next Al Sharpton, and be able to fire people up. I said, but that's only part of what I do. Mm-hmm. You got to raise millions of dollars a year. I have a payroll that's uh, over a million dollars a year. We have 47 people on payroll. I pay every week. We have offices in L.A., New York, Atlanta, Miami, three in New York, in fact, all over the country. Who's going to pay the rent? I mean, Who's going to deal with the compliances as we had to learn how to deal with taxes? Who's going to be able to sit down and negotiate with a black man differently than a Giuliani or an Obama differently than a Trump? This ain't just about firing up a speech, but they have so trivialized it till a lot of us think that it is just about our starring and not our organizing. One of the reasons that today's symposium was so important to me is I wanted people to see that you had to be really trained in 
across the board stuff if you're going to be affected because that's why you've seen Angela in 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 your uh, sphere in in terms of media how many groups have popped up and gone in a year to not that they were not well-intentioned, not that they weren't sincere, but they didn't learn the science of organizing and the science of sustaining uh, themselves. And you end up hurting some of the victims that you fight for because you're not there for. So today you see Amadou Diallo's mama here. Yeah. She's been with us for 13 years. Uh, uh, you see uh, other mothers here that's been with us over a decade. Corey Weiss is here, yeah. who I marched for against Donald Trump in 1991, That's when Donald Trump Park called five, for him to be executed as one of the Central Park Five, he's been with us 27 years. Mm -hmm. You cannot just have a pop-up organization that ain't going to be there in two years and, and use people's pain for your Facebook likes and not really stay with their moves and stay with what they got to do. And I think that, that that is something that we've got to be careful of now. I believe we need both and. We need the organic movements and the legacy organizations. Sure. We don't have to choose between them. And I think that uh, we always had that tension. And that's a good thing. I think that Dr. King is, is called a creative tension. Make it, make it. Ella Baker and Dr. King operate at the same time. And that creative tension kept everybody accountable. But it's when you have people that say it's my way or no way, then you get suspicious of what you're really saying. So to that point, um, when we think about resistance movement building right now, because I think that's definitely right. where we are, um, from uh, entertainers who are protesting in their varying platforms, Eminem just uh, performed like a freestyle in a hip hop cipher for BT Awards has gone viral where he's really going at Donald Trump. You think about all the ways that people are using their platforms, whether they're popped up or they've been a right. sustained organization. Where are our gaps? What should we be trying to fill right now? Our gaps are that we should be having direct targeted goals. Mm -hmm. If it's going to be Eminem, if it's going to be Colin Kaepernick, if it's going to be NACP, if it's going to be National Action Network, whatever it is, we need to say we need to flip 32 seats in Congress. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to follow Sharpton, but I'm a rapper. I'm going to go and rap in these districts to help the candidate that's out. Otherwise, we're not going to change the politics. Or we're going to boycott this entity and you can rap about it. Other ones can get on social media about it. I can go into church and preach about it. But we all talking about everybody Same don't thing. buy this. We've got to have specific targets and goals. When I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, Dr. King and Malcolm X didn't agree. But when Muhammad Ali wouldn't go to the war, Dr. King defended him and stood with him. Dr. King didn't go join the Nation of Islam. And Muhammad Ali didn't come join the Baptist church, but they knew how to stand their own lanes, but support everybody on the highway. We are so busy shooting at each other. Let me tell you what happened. Dr. King got killed April of 68. People start fighting. Whether you're going to be a Panther, whether you're going to follow what King did, whether you're going to be Urban League, whether you're going to be militant. Then you had the white progressives that always wanted to choose the, the, the black they like. So we don't like this one. We're going to make this the black leader like today. Angela's too, too raw. Angela Rye too raw. We're going to make our own more polished acceptable black woman media thing that we all he had all that confusion in the 60s mm -hmm. what was the result 
Richard Nixon won the election in 68 because mm. they came through the division. Fast forward 16. Wow. Oh, it's a fight with the legacy groups and Black Lives Matter. It's a fight with this or that. It's a fight with the LGBTQ and this. What happened? Donald Trump became president. Wow. And we're finding out now that the Russians was using a lot of social media, acting like they were black groups to try and get certain messages. So people need to really look suspiciously at people that major in confusion. Mm -hmm. Not that we have to always agree, but why are we each other's talking? If I've been out here 50 years, why are you more mad at me than Donald Trump Unless you really out here for something else. Uh-oh. I mean... Uh, is what, Russia paying you? Yeah, Rev asked, is, is Russia, Russa paying, paying you? What you mad? I mean, well, uh, I, I heard so. this ain't your grandma's uh, movement. Well, what you mad at grandma about? Yeah. Why don't you fight who grandma was fighting kids? What we mad at each other about? Unless somebody is instigating mm-hmm. this for other reasons. We which can't be that before, stupid. Which we've seen before. That's and and you're going to see it some more. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I'm saying that's how Donald Trump won. Yeah. That's why I come out of the black church unapologetically. I come out of the nonviolent movement. But like I was telling you, when, when the parent, people said to me, why was I in Ferguson? Because the mom and daddy and granddaddy asked me to come, right? I preached the funeral. I was like, what are y'all doing in Ferguson? They don't know y'all. If, if y'all were all that... Why didn't they call y'all? They wouldn't have needed me. I was already fighting the Aragona case in New York. Aragona had just happened three weeks before Ferguson. So I remember I got in there that night, and there had been some uh, violence. And I met with some of the young guys. And the young guys was like, you know, jumping on the preachers in town. And they probably were right. They weren't involved. Let me tell you something, MF, da, 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 da. Let me tell you this. And I said, hold it. You got four MFs. You get to the fifth one. Now I come out of Brooklyn. I come out of the nonviolent movement, but we can take this Where Brooklyn outside. at? Yeah. I don't play that. I don't play. I, I am nonviolent, but I ain't nobody's punk. You said you turn your cheek once. One time. Second time you gamble. <laughs> okay, Rip. So one of the things you just touched on was we need sustained, like clear targeted actions. Um, in the resistance movement. And so part of what we saw with Operation Breadbasket was largely an economic agenda that was still tied to political agendas. Right. But and the, one of the first things you just mentioned today was we have some seats to regain, which is political. So for folks who feel torn, do you tell them there's one to prefer one agenda over the other, political versus economic? Are you saying these things are so closely tied you can't afford to pick one over no, the other? No, they... Uh, definitely tied. First of all, you politics is protecting economic interest. interest. People tell me all the time when I do, as you know, talk radio every day. Well, Red Mal, I don't think we ought to worry about politics. We 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 should just build our own businesses. I said, okay. What city do you live in? Milwaukee, Chicago, wherever. Go to the corner that you want to build your business. And you got to get a zoning yeah. order to even open a business. That's politics. Yep. You have to have a business like that's politics. You can't get away from, you can't build your economic order without politics because mm-hmm. they got to zone you in. They got to agree to the whole dimensions of what you talk about. So let's not play with each other. We've got to vote and deal with economic targets because without that, we won't be able to protect the businesses that we have. Mm-hmm. we we can flip 
Let me tell you something, Angela. Michigan alone, I think uh, Hillary Clinton lost by 12, 14,000 votes. Yeah, but it was a slim margin. We could have got that out of four churches if we had really, really bared down. And the same uh, what they did in Wisconsin. We have to look at the, the Democratic Party can't take the House without netting 24 seats. Well, we need to know which of those seats do we organize. Now, Ramal, I'm not going out there for the Democrats. Neither am I. But I'm going out there for our interests. Medicaid mm-hmm. and Affordable Care Act and making sure we continue the commutation of, of sentences for low-level nonviolent voting drug offenders rights. and voting rights and police protection. That's our interest. Yeah. When I was born, 54, my mother, father, pastor, all were Republican. They turned Democrat in the early 60s when Kennedy and Johnson went pro-civil rights. We had never been all one party. We've been like everybody else in America who is in our interest. I wasn't in love with Hillary, but Hillary was more. And I I marched on Bill Clinton about the crime bill and about uh, welfare reform. But she was the best option as opposed to Donald Trump. Then you had these super Negroes, I call them. They're talking about don't vote at all. Okay, I ain't seen one of the Super Negroes uh, since, since the election. Because <laughs> Trump done come out. That's what you got elected. Yeah. So you've got to exercise your options. And our best option right now are those that support the things that we most need in our community. We're not going to get a Barack Obama every time. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to have a Donald Trump. We should never have a Donald Trump. Never, ever. So, so one of the things, too, that I think is, or a few things that I think are important is, are some things that in your background. There's a timeline in the symposium book today. And I didn't know some of this. And I felt ashamed because I thought I was up to speed on my Reverend Al bio. I didn't realize that you were an active participant on Shirley Chisholm's campaign. Shirley Chisholm ran for Congress in 1968. That was the year I turned, uh, I was 13 going on 14, 14 by the election in November, but she ran and won. Mm -hmm. She ran against the founder of CORE, James Fong. Wow. I met her then. And uh, uh, she was elected to Congress. She was reelected in 70. In 72, she asked me to be the youth director of a campaign running for president. Most black politicians wouldn't support Cheryl. Yeah. And many other white feminists wouldn't support her. And the, the whole thing that I have pictures is that I was always the one to warm up the crowd to bring on Miss C, we call her, Miss Chisholm. <laughs> and the whole uh, joke around people with Mrs. Chisholm, uh, Bill Howard, who was a treasure, is okay. Uh, Charlotte's going to speak, so I'm going to have to hold a pocketbook because she'd hand you the pocketbook. But I was Jesse's youth director at 13, Shirley Chisholm's uh, person at 18. This is before I even knew James Brown. And here's here's the thing that is also compelling. You were her youth director. That's the same year of the National Black Political Committee. That's correct. And Gary, Indiana. And you were the youngest person on, on the, the platform, platform committee. Career. And also, because you just talked about this, this is the same space where there were a number of folks that refused to address her campaign, right? In 1972, Imamo Amir Baraka, mm-hmm. uh, who was one of the black nationals, he had been a big poet, uh, Leroy Jones, whose son now is the mayor of Newark. He and Congressman Charles Diggs called for the National Black Political Convention in Gary. 8,000 delegates. 
Percy Sutton, who's the man bro president, sponsored me to go. I didn't have no money. I was a teenager, had been in the movement. He sponsored me and my mother to go. And I went and rode with Jesse. Half of the delegates said Shirley wasn't black enough and wouldn't support her, didn't invite her. Sounds familiar. Well, that might be why I knew how to deal with Obama because I had been through the same thing with Shirley. I went through it when I ran for president. So by the time they got to uh, telling me in in 2007 that Barack Obama wasn't black enough, I said, yeah, I heard that in 72 when I was a kid with Shirley Chisholm. I mean, come on. Shirley was as bad as you could get. So when I see the Black Caucus today, and think about the days of Diggs and Adam Powell and Shirley Chisholm when I was a kid. We always said they weren't doing enough. They would sell out. All of that. This is, none of this is new. And I think that you're right. We need to teach more to the younger generation. That's why the symposium is. That first of all, the arguments y'all got, we done heard them before. They're tired. The question said. is, where are we going? What are we going to do? But we don't heard this before. So, Rev, so this is the thing, though. When you consider the fact that this was the last time we had a convention like this in 1972. So I wasn't, I wasn't born yet. But I've read about this, and I'm like, man, I think we should do this political convention again. We, before, before the abolition of slavery, there was a black political convention every year. So why can't we, why haven't we had another one? I think that we haven't had another one because we've been too busy debating on our differences. Then if I think the right combination of people called it and those that don't want to come, don't let them come. Everybody didn't come in 72, but enough came that set a political agenda that everybody had to deal with. Mm -hmm. You never going to get everybody on board and you never did. Everybody, let me tell you uh, something, Angela, you and your listeners. There were 250,000 people at the March on Washington in 63, and A. Philip Randolph got the unions get a lot of that. There was 25 million blacks in uh, America. Everybody didn't march with Dr. King. That was the biggest march he spoke at. We all act like everybody that was alive in the 50s and 60s marched with Dr. King. That's definitely how we remember it. That's not true. We didn't have a million man march till 95. Yeah. Dr. King never spoke to a million people. Yeah. Malcolm died in Harlem, speaking at the Audubon Ballroom, that whole 300 people. Everybody in Harlem wasn't with Malcolm. It has always been the few that would pay the price for the many, and they would be criticized. Jesse Jackson said there this morning, 55% of blacks poll was against Dr. King the day before he died. It was more than that against Malcolm. After they died, we loved them. Mm-hmm. We named streets after yes. them. But we look for any reason not to support people while they're here. Support for On One comes from Just Fab. Ladies, boot season has arrived. And if you're still trekking to the mall to shop for your favorite styles, maybe you should try getting out of the 90s and get with the times. You can finally be the trendsetter you dreamed of being. And you don't have to make a million dollars to do it. Start by going to JustFab.com right now. When you visit the site for the first time, you're given a style quiz. After you take it, JustFab personalizes your shopping experience so your favorite styles will rise straight to the top. Has a store in the mall ever done that for you? No. But you can shop as a guest or become a VIP and save up to 30% off of retail prices and gain access to a bunch of other exclusive perks. One of them? JustFab charges a $40 shopping credit to your account per month that you can use for anything on the site. And guess what? If you don't feel like shopping that month, just click the skip button and your card won't even be charged. 
that's not a bad deal at all for 30% off of every purchase. Here's an even better deal. Go to justfab.com backslash on one right now. Sign up as a VIP and you'll get your first style for as low as $10. That's 10 bucks. $10. When was the last time you got some shoes for $10? You heard that right. Just visit justfab.com backslash on one to get your first style for as low as $10. You better do it. So you brought up James Brown. Um, and I definitely want you to talk about it because you think about like uh, opening for Mahalia Jackson and um, being a youth director for Shirley Chisholm and, and being mentored and brought in to run um, at least the youth program for Operation Breadbasket with Reverend Jackson. And then you have the Godfather of Soul. How did that happen? Well, you know, uh, I was leading the youth movement here in New York. A guy came up from Georgia wanting to go to this school, ironically. He wanted to go to Columbia Law School. And uh, I didn't know him. Joined my youth group. And his name was Teddy Brown. About six months in, I found out he was James Brown's son. About two months later, he got killed in a car accident. So one of the big disc jockeys in New York at the time, Hank Spann and Bob Law, who was a talk show host, told James Brown, who was shattered, his 18-year-old son got killed, he said, you know, he loved this preacher. He was really running with this preacher in New York, does civil rights work that's the same age as him. If you want to do something to memorialize him, you should uh, meet this young preacher. Wow. And in 1973, when Teddy had got killed, James Brown came to New York and said, I'm going to do it for your youth movement. I just was doing my youth movement work. He had been in trouble in New York because he had endorsed Nixon in 72. So a lot of people said, oh, he's using you to come back in New York. We did the show. He gave the money to our youth group. Nobody bothered picketed him or nothing because of the Nixon thing. And then we started getting close. And after a while, he and I became like father's son. I think I replaced for him Teddy. We were the same age. My father left when I was very young. But we never agreed on politics. We used to argue James was a Republican. <laughs> yeah. But we, be, it was a personal bond. He come up rough. I came up rough. And James Brown was the biggest artist in the world to me. And he just took me under his wing. And uh, that's where I learned a lot of people don't understand. I learned street life hanging around James Brown. Cause I grew up in the church. I didn't know nothing about uh, street stuff. Uh, and uh, So when you talking about taking something outside, you learned oh, that from oh, James, James Brown. James Brown. <laughs> The difference between uh, me saying take it out if you say MF for the fourth time, James Brown, they'd have been outside the first time with Uh James Brown. James Brown said to me real clear, I love you. I love the fact you uh, followed Dr. King, but I carry two guns at all times. He did. James Brown wasn't nothing non-violent about James Brown. Oh, my God. So you're like, we just were. Godfather, he took serious. <laughs> Maybe too serious. So um, we talked a little bit about um, young activists earlier on. And I think one of the things that I would love to see happen here, because there are a number of young people that listen to the podcast, is you giving, providing wisdom to some young activists. You definitely do it every single day with your team at National Action Network, which he has a very young team. Some of my sister friends he's mentored um, and have been executive directors. But for the folks that aren't involved with NAN or aren't involved with Rainbow Push, aren't involved with NAA, what are some of the things you can tell them? What pitfalls should young activists avoid? What are the tactics and strategies that worked in the past that they should embrace? What what they've got to 
uh, first do is set your goals. What What is it that you want to achieve? If there's a killing, do you want to get an indictment? Do you want to change the law? Do you just want to make noise? You got to, what is the end game? That's one. Second, you've got to understand that everybody's not going to be with you and don't waste a lot of time arguing and name calling people that are not going to be with you. Third is how do you sustain a fight to achieve the stated goal? And fourth, political organizing is not about subtraction. It's about addition. You need everybody with you. So don't be so judgmental of he ain't this or that. You want everybody with you. Everybody plays a part. So you don't have to join a, log- a legacy organization. The advantage is there, the disadvantage. You, you, you can build something new. The advantage is they're different. But you got to say, I'm making these decisions based on this is where I'm going. This is the end goal. Don't make it emotional and don't make it on your own vanity. Anybody in public life is is going to have a certain amount of ego. But I say don't let your vanity outrun your sanity. Always say, yeah, I like a little play, but I'm going to use it to drive this, which is why nobody gets more media than me. But I won't do certain media. They offered me, Rachel Norlinger sitting here, they offered me $175,000 to do Dancing with the Stars. I said, but I can't do that. Oh, Rev, you should have did Dancing no, with the Stars. I, I wouldn't do it. I Why? Do it because I, something about the fact that I knew that I had to be there for Eric Garner's and all. I didn't oh, need to okay. be in no leotards <laughs> twirling. <laughs> they weren't going to give you no leotards <laughs> anyway because you only eat I toast. Wa- I wasn't going to take <laughs> the chance. Certain things I won't do. Y'all tweet Rev and tell him he should have did Dancing with the Stars. I can't believe you didn't do Dancing with the Stars. I'm legit mad at you about this right now. <laughs> I really am mad about you. I'll tell him you do it. No, I want you to do it. It's cooler if you do it. It's like, the, well, I was going to say. But I'll tell you, when, when I was running for president and they asked me to host Saturday Night Live, everybody in my staff was against it. I said, no, people got to know I can laugh. I did that. Yes. But I had to prove the whole script. You don't do that with Dance with the Stars. I'll tell you one I never said, uh, I don't think, but one time in public, Donald Trump called and begged me to do The Apprentice. Ugh, and I wouldn't do it. Thank God. And I wouldn't do it. Man, he called me himself. It, uh, Rachel called me, said they called for The Apprentice. I said, I'm not doing it. Mm-mm. Then he called himself twice. I said, I'm not doing it. You should have said, I'm going to teach you how to be an apprentice. You come learn how to support uh, black people and brown people. That he he needs somebody to apprentice him on how to be president. Well, um, we are going to move away from that because you're not going to steal my joy today, Rev. <laughs> but uh, what is it like to work with your daughters? You have the, I think, a you great know, opportunity I was them. against uh, them being activists. I never you encouraged were? it. I never encouraged it. Why? Because I always felt I took enough hits for everybody mm. that was in the family. And I kept saying the scrutiny. The unfairness, the jealousy, the envy, y'all don't need this. And they kept wanting to be in the movement. They they insisted they wanted to be in the movement. Then I said, people are only going to say you're doing certain things because you're the Shopton's kid. They fought it, fought it, fought it. So then I knew they were really sincere. Wow. At one point, I was really just testing them. At first, I really didn't want it. You got to remember, I was stabbed. I've been indicted. I've done 
I've served 90 days in jail one time, 45 days three different times, and been arrested 30 other times. So movement stuff is no joke to me. I look every morning. This morning, Angela Rye, I look at a surgical scar on my chest where God stuck a knife in my chest leading a march for justice in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, every morning. So any morning I'm shaving. It's, I look and it, I leave home knowing this is, might be it for me. People walk up and say, can I take a selfie? Or they can walk up and blow your brains out because you got as many people out there that hate you for fighting as you do fighting. So this is no joke. So I didn't want my daughters in that kind of risk. And they've had their controversy getting arguing with a cab driver, rest of front page, but they wanted to do it. And because they wanted to do it, I'm more proud than anybody could be because I know they're sincere. They're really in it. They work long hours. I'm very proud of them. But they had to really fight and convince me. People that work with me, I am hard on my staff. I'm hard on the people I met. He's hard on. Yes, I was just. I, I, including you. But I'm hard on them because nobody's going to give you no easy pass out here. And James was hard on me as a man. Jesse then was hard on me. And that's why he I was hard on you today. He said oh, yeah. today he gets on my nerves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he said, said he loves you. It was great. Yeah. No, but I, <laughs> but if if somebody is not bearing down on you and hitting you hard and snapping at you, they don't really care. Yeah. Because the people that you just, yeah, everything's lovely, you don't care about. But people you care about, they expect more out of you and they dig in you because they expect you to be able to do more. And uh Anybody tells you this hard working around me, it tells you the absolute truth because you got to pull out of people. I can see in people as I've gotten older what they couldn't see in themselves. Mm -hmm. And you got to pull it out of them. And their buddies won't pull it out of them because the buddies, friends that can handle you at the sixth grade level are not the people you hang out with in high school. Yeah. And to get to that other level, you're going to have to pass harder tests and harder teachers. So there's a Reverend Al Hazup, and we talked about your birth daughters, but there are some other daughters um, who've come under you. You had um, Tamika Mallory as an executive director, Janae Ingram as an executive director. Both have gone on to do great things, including the Women's March. So talk about what that was like to see them like do something oh, no, that thought, was so rooted in like the movement work you all were doing together. Well, I, so what I thought was interesting about that is that the women's march started as a white women's yes, march. Yes. Then when they they named it the Million Women's March, they got in trouble. So they had to reach out and get blacks, and they had to come and get blacks that had learned the name. And really, they organized it and salvaged it. Mm -hmm. And of course, that made us proud. They nan alumni, yeah. not alumni from other groups. They nan alumni. Uh, Janae, in the 50th anniversary march of uh, on Washington, just three years ago now, four years ago, we put over 200,000 people in Washington uh, on the Saturday before the anniversary, just before Obama, we had that march that Saturday around vote ID and all of that. Reclaim the dream, we called mm -hmm. it. Janae negotiated all of the permits, all of the sound, the routing, all of that. Mm -hmm. So she knew how to do Washington. That's why they brought it. They knew what to do. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. And it, it makes us proud. Mary Pat Hector, yeah. 19 years old, just ran for city council in Georgia. 
only lost by 22 votes. Of course, that makes me proud. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, a member of Congress, comes out, National Action Network, a member, comes to rallies now. So if your organization, movement is not producing nothing, then you really ain't got no movement. Yeah. A tree has to bear some fruit. So I'm glad. Rachel Nordlinger, Rachel's one of the best publicists in the country. Very true. When de Blasio won, they kidnapped her to be they the head of, uh, I call it kid, to be the, uh, the, uh, the chief of staff for the first lady. Mm-hmm. So I can go on and on and on. The people come through now that I'm proud of. And we just keep replenishing, bringing others on the next generation. That's what Just like I really was so about. glad to see my elders mm-hmm. come and say they're proud of me. Yeah. That has to be mean a lot to have a legacy like that where you can literally see the direct impact. And the Women's March is still doing things. They're going to have a big conference this month that has to make you proud. Right. So that's really awesome. Um, one of the- I'm proud of you. Thank you. I remember when we started Politics Nation, we'd have you on often and, I, and look at you now. And, and I watch you grow in media space and not compromise who you are because your father was an activist. You grew up in some people, a lot of people on television, all of them I'm not proud of. I'm not going to denounce none, but I'm proud <laughs> of you because you have to be able to be authentic. When I started the MSNBC show, Politics Nation, we were on every night, four years, every Sunday. For Can two. they bring you back to every well, night? I love traveling a lot with my chapter, so I ain't complaining because oh. I only wanted weekly in the first place. But when I started, first thing everybody said, oh, he, he ain't going to keep doing this what he's doing. I've been in Harlem every Saturday at the Saturday yeah. Action Rally. I did Trayvon on the air mm-hmm. as host. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin case started after I was home. And I went and did Trayvon, did Ferguson, did Eric Garner. But I never listened because the critics have always said what I wasn't going to do. I get a thrill hearing people talk about me knowing I can disprove it. I would probably wouldn't know what to do if everybody was on my side. I'm Rev, energized how, many, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? I, I mean, I go to bed midnight. Maybe one, but I'm in the gym at five every morning. No matter what time I go to bed, I'm getting up. I'll be in the gym at five in the morning. You made me tired just listening to this. Today's sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company, makes it easy to connect with an experienced, licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. You can send your therapist text messages, audio message messages, and even video messages, or do a live video chat. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and go through a rigorous screening process in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. And the best part about it all is you don't have to make an appointment. To match with your perfect therapist, you can go to Talkspace.com backslash Angela. And a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code Angela to get $30 off your first month and show your support for yours truly, this podcast, On One with Angela Rye. That's code Angela and Talkspace.com backslash Angela. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. Okay, so there was one other thing that came up today was about equity. And I can't remember the minister's yeah. name that kept bringing it up. He was like, it's about equity, it's about equity. And recently, um, Wes Bellamy, who's the vice mayor of Charlottesville, um, introduced this equity package through the city council. It was passed. And a lot of folks don't know um, that that's really part of what was driving the white supremacist rage in Charlottesville. 
When you think about the types of things that we can do on the local and state level, dealing with equity that gets really to the heart of reparations and kind of making, putting us on an equal playing field, what other things can be done? Let me show you what Nash Action Network just did. We've challenged the city of New York, and I've done the same thing with CalPERS in California now, on how they use money managers in our community. You saw a couple of them were here today. Uh, we challenged the governor, Governor Andrew Cuomo. You want our votes? They're building a multi-billion-dollar reconstruction of LaGuardia Airport, then Kennedy Airport, then Penn Station. Public funds. We are a third of the city's population. We are about a little less than a quarter of the state's population. We want to be involved. For the first time. We've got 10% equity in LaGuardia Airport for a black firm led led by Jim Reynolds in Chicago. Okay. First time. We need to start as these elections come up next year for governor, for senator and all to negotiate where is our public pension funds being managed. Let's start there. Now, why is there a direct connection? What I found out Angela, when we talk about gentrification, where do the developers get their money? They get it from money managers who invest taxpayer funds and union funds. Some of those unions, 60, 70% black, they take our money and invest them in removing us from our community. We are subsidizing our own removal. So we need to make the economic equity uh, our position part of the political ask next year. Not Mr. Uh, Governor, Mr. Senator, Madam Councilwoman about where y'all going to invest our money? Why can't we get an equity position in terms of money management, in terms of depositing black uh, banks? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, treasurer, young brother in Chicago just put uh, $20 million and saved a black bank. Well, that ain't a donation. That's our money. Right. How do you live in a city 50% black and no money in the black bank? All of the money's in white banks who won't lend you business uh, loans or give you mortgages. We've got to think economic and use politics as our tool. I love that. So for a couple of moments of levity, and I know we got to let you go because you have to get back to your symposium. Who is the best rapper right now to you? The best rapper, I like Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper. I like Chance a lot. I think he's very good and positive. Mm-hmm. Kendrick is great. Yeah. Kendrick's great. So I, I, I'll stay right around there. And of course, you know, I love comedy, but I'm trying not to get into your business. That's so funny. I love what you just did there, not. Okay, so what about this? <laughs> What about this? You had a real viral moment um, earlier this year, your selfie. Yep. And (laughs) Rev, I love this selfie because you got the selfie on all sides. And it even got a shout out in a Jay-Z song. Yep. I was sad about how the shout out went down, especially because I've seen moments where you all have worked together. Oh, yeah. And Um, we still do. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh. You know what happened? It was Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And I got up to go to the gym five and once. I said, I'm going to do a selfie. So you said, fathers. let me give you double for your yeah, trouble. Yeah, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. <laughs> uh, so to show, at that time, I was 62. At 62-years-old father should stay in shape. Yeah. I had no idea. Because I've done selfies for years. 
That one happened to go viral. Jay-Z happened to take a shot. And I and I and I teased them later that I could take a shot back, but I'll leave that alone. Uh-huh. But uh uh hey, I think uh uh I I still do selfies. In fact, yeah. uh, two or three days after I did that when mm-hmm. it gone viral, I ran into the young brother on Empire. We did a selfie uh-huh. down in essence. So I, I ain't worried about it. No, it was great. And I I think it was it was funny because it shows like there's a there's a connection to the younger selfie generation, but you also were old school because you got the full. Mirror. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had the, the whole full mirror. That was hilarious. The big socks. All the way down I, 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 I to the socks. Oh, he yeah. stays Gucci down to the socks. Yeah. Anyway, Rev has to get back to his symposium. If there's um, any parting words you want to leave, I just want to say them. that the struggle continues. There must be continuity. Don't let them play us against each other. Because they will do that to divide us and conquer. Uh, William Augustus Jones, who's my pastor, said, always remember, the blood that binds us is thicker than the waters that divide us. I love it. Thank you, Rev. Thank, Thank you, you for everything that you've done for me as a mentor, um, for all the jokes, well, for every selfie. We love you, and we thank you for spending your time right. with On One. Love you. Bye-bye. Where all my children are the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors. All we know is to fight. Pray. They see God in everything I write here. Wow. Rev's interview was so powerful. A, a lot of uh, key gems in here, but also really funny. Um, it was so great to be at the symposium with him just the other day, learning so much about his life learning so much about his activism and being able to be a part of those special moments. Well, Rev talked about Operation Breadbasket, which was an arm of SCLC that led economic boycotts by industry to ensure that black folks were included on the levels of employment that we needed to be, not just doing menial labor, and that we were represented in the consulting agreements and professional services. And if we weren't, They called for economic boycotts. We can also look at the Montgomery bus boycotts. They lasted 381 days. These boycotts weren't convenient. They took real sacrifice. They took real discipline. And that was to ensure that we were treated with dignity and respect. Well, Colin Kaepernick, when he first took a knee, did it because he was protesting police brutality, excessive force, and the violent killing of black bodies at the hands of law enforcement. What are we willing to sacrifice to ensure that we're able to live and thrive in this country? We have to start asking ourselves the tough questions. We're talking about not watching games. We're talking about not wearing merchandise. We're talking about not attending games. Now we're talking about not watching ESPN. I just compared that, y'all, to what they were doing with Operation Breadbasket, not patronizing certain businesses because they didn't see us as valuable enough to be a part of building those businesses. I just talked about the Montgomery bus boycotts where folks had to find another way to work. That might have been their primary transportation to pick up their kids from school, to go to the grocery store. They did that for over a year. And we're talking about possibly not doing this for a football season. But you can't take off your jersey. You can't turn off Monday night football. You can't turn off a Sunday game. 
it's not worth your life, your little brother's life, your little sister's life. We're talking about protecting our lives in an era where hate crimes and hate incidents have increased since the election of this president and where we've seen police brutality at an all-time high, perhaps maybe because we can record the footage or maybe because we see it exactly for what it is. It's time for us to really stand together. Should you have to? Yes. Should you want to? Yes. It's time. There is no success in the resistance without each other. It's time for us to unite. If we can't unite behind this, I don't know what will unite behind. If you're willing, we need you. And I'm telling you, I need you to be willing. It is time now more than ever to resist y'all. Until next week, be mindful of your power and use it for the good of the whole. Thanks again to Just Fab for supporting this week's episode of On One with Angela Rye. And it's boot season, ladies. If you're still in traffic trying to get to the mall for your favorite styles, it's time to get with the times and go to JustFab.com. You do not have to have millions in the bank to be the trendsetter you've always wanted to be. Live up to your fashion potential today by visiting JustFab.com right now. Go to JustFab.com backslash On One to sign up as a VIP and you will get your First style for as low as $10. That's justfab.com backslash on one to get your first style for as low as $10 today. Thanks for listening. Striving to do right, my people are warriors. All we know is the fight, praying to seek God and everything. Now call me the yellow shotter. I say I'm just my father's daughter, like Christ, my body beating, but I refuse to holler. Won't give them the satisfaction, but I let the tears flow. Steady praying for a father, forgive them, they don't know. That the revolution will not be televised. Twitter, Facebook, excuse me as I scrutinize. Out of the mouth of this babe comes perfected praise. As if he